Good morning, everybody. Now, this is the conclusion of our short retreat. On uh, during these few days, we have been uh, spending a lot of time meditating, perhaps uh, deleting some of those uh, things that you don't want to keep in your mind. Now it is time to empty the trash, <laughs> uh, trash can. So you have to erase it. <laughs> you delete first, and then afterward you <laughs> erase the deleted files from the trash can. <laughs> that is not very easy. It is easy, perhaps, maybe to <laughs> delete them, put into the trash. And uh, it will come back again and again. When you close your eyes, sit, and it's easy, but when you open the eyes, <laughs> your whole can come back. So, our suggestion is to uh, remind ourselves again and again and again. You know, meditation in itself is. Uh, way of uh, repetition. It is not something you do only once in a life. Once, once in a while, you go to repeat it. The very word meditation means repetition. In Pali it's called bhavana or bhavetabha. Bhavana means something that you do again and again and again uh, until it becomes a habit. Meditation is a habit. And uh, just like any other habits, we have, without uh, our conscious awareness, all our life we have built up a lot of habits that have become so simple, easy. They just happen almost our second nature. Friends, that is what we have to do with uh, meditation as well. On the cushion as well as off the cushion. We got to think about it. And always we must think that uh, we meditate to experience result not tomorrow, not next life, but to have this experience right now as we are meditating. Any moment we can get the same experience that you got while you were sitting, closing our eyes. And this is one thing that we find in the Buddha's teaching. He said, this Dhamma that he taught, as I mentioned, the word Dhamma has many meanings. One is nature, uh, one is quality. Sometimes uh, one is habit. When we write it with capital D, it is the Buddha's teaching. If we write it in simple D, it is the nature and all other things. So in this uh, capital D Dhamma that Buddha taught has a very special uh, meaning. It is said that this Dhamma is uh, well expounded. 
Why it is called well expounded? Because uh, it doesn't vary from person to person, time to time, place to place. This is not some kind of conditional Dhamma. Dhamma that uh, somebody does it, it works for that person, and if somebody else does it, it doesn't work for that person. It's not like that. Dhamma is something universal. Everybody, anybody, anytime, anywhere can experience it. So, just sitting on the cushion is uh, only one small fraction of our life, practice. We are not sitting all the time. We have various other activities. And Buddha, in his discourse on meditation, he said, Gate, Tite, Nisinde, Sutte, Jagrite, Bharte, Tunni, Bhave, Asite, Pite, Kaite, Saite, and so forth. He gave a list of activities. To mention only very few. Our activities are not limited to those, limited to that list. In the list, he said, Sitting, standing, walking, lying down, talking, eating, drinking, uh, urinating, defecating, wearing clothes, and so forth. In all this, these are some of the activities he mentioned. And our life is not limited even to those activities. There are so many other activities that we are engaged in our life. So, this is a very handy tool that we have to keep with us to bring our awareness, our mindfulness in all these and no other activities so that uh, our life is full. Friends, we want to live a quality life. Quality life. Quality life doesn't come from an expensive car, a huge building and a great amount of bank account and a lot of friends and a lot of food and expensive clothes and beautiful, uh, you know. Not these things. <laughs> quality life comes from the quality mind. Mind has to be of high quality. This high quality doesn't come from aristocratic family <laughs> and, uh, you know, from Manhattan, huge, expensive place, or Fort Lauderdale <laughs> doesn't come from that. It comes from our mental state, high quality life. And the high quality life <coughs> is a life of high, the high quality mind. High quality mind. High quality mind means a mind with a clear, pure, clean mind, free from stress. Greed, excessive greed, hatred, jealousy, fear, tension, anxiety, worry. These are the things that make the life poor, of no quality. <laughs> to bring the life of up to high quality, we have to remove these things. These are within our power. We all can, you know, as I mentioned yesterday, we create our suffering. We create our disappointment, we create joy, happiness. Uh, I mentioned very, very, like very simple, simple story to many 
I mean, thousands of times I have mentioned this little story. Each time I mention it, I enjoy the story. <laughs> I like it very much. The story of uh, secret of happiness. Did I tell you the story? You have not heard of it? Boy, there was a deity, a deity who wanted to hide the secret of happiness. And he thought of hiding it in the deepest place in the ocean. Then he thought, gee, these human beings, they are very smart, they are very inquisitive. One day they might find it. Then they will no longer be a secret. Then he thought of hiding it on the top of Mount Everest. Then again he thought, gee, Mount Everest is nothing. These fellows are very, you know, adventurous. They might climb Mount Everest one day, as they have done already. <laughs> then they thought of hiding it in the deepest cave in a jungle, the Amazon jungle. Again he thought, then he thought, gee, I found a place. I found a place where, which they never looked at. Never think of that place. That is human mind. <laughs> that is where we don't look for happiness. <laughs> we always look outside. Money, computer, <laughs> expensive car, this and that. How much happiness we can get from those things? Maybe nothing. Not even one. Little bit. Little, one little deeply. They even can bring us pain. You buy the most expensive car, Ferrari. Can you even drive that in this country? I mean, it is so high speed, <laughs> there's a speed limit. <laughs> Next day, you find little scratch. The day after you bought it, you got so angry. Yesterday I bought this brand new expensive car and you may curse someone for making this crack in the car. Very painful. So none of these things. You know, I went to Germany one time in the year 2000 to conduct a retreat. Then after the retreat, uh, there was another German monk. He invited me to go to uh, Hanover to see an exhibition. 2000, Expo 2000. We went there. I'm not asking you to do that, but uh, this is how we find that it's something very simple to make our life, uh, you know, comfortable, happy. So anyway, I went there after the, uh, when I went, when we went there, <coughs> we had plenty of time. We didn't have uh, money to get uh, food. Uh, so we had an arms ball. So we went on the exposition ground. 80,000 or 100,000 people were supposed to come to the exhibition. And we were both wearing the robe and carrying the arms ball at meal time. And some Germans said that we are fake monks just came for exhibition. <laughs> 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 to, uh, 
sort of a specimen of another item. <laughs> so he took the arms bone and went and stood in front of a Nepal restaurant. They did not know what to do with us. <laughs> so we waited for about five minutes. Then the man came and tried to put some money into the arms bone. <laughs> I said, we don't eat money. <laughs> uh, if you have cooked food, we accept. Then they brought a del- Nepalese delicacy and put in our home. It was not very much, but it's wonderful. Then we walked about 100 yards. Then we found Thai restaurant. <laughs> they stopped serving customers and prepared special food very quickly and put in our arms bow. And then we walked few more, maybe about another 100, 200 feet. Then what we found, you know, Sri Lankan restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> they said, remember, sir, don't go anywhere, come inside, sit here, eat your food, and uh, leave your arms bow here, and go and see the exhibition. Even if you come at 2 a.m. tomorrow morning, we will be here to return your arms ball. Go and see the exhibition. In fact, we, they also gave a lot of you know, delicious made food. How much we can eat, we ate and as much as we could and ate that. So I told my friend, you know, this arms ball is worth more than Mercedes-Benz. It gave us food. This arms ball is so precious, so valuable. We were able to have our meal by just taking the arms ball. If you drive BMW, if there's only tiny little repair work to do and drive to the repair shop, if it were, you know, very tiny little Datsun or some old beat-up car, they would charge twenty dollars. If you drive a BMW, five hundred dollars for the same repair work. Why? For the name. So, just imagine the, the the happiness does not come with big things. Very tiny little thing. So. Buddha said, when we meditate, we learn to live with contentment. Contentment. We, we understand too many things would be a distraction. I have seen, you know, some people who have, who have very good uh, sense, they, I have seen in papers and sometimes internet, people have a lot of money. And then finally they decide one day, I don't need all of them. I need only one room, little uh, small kitchenette for myself. I don't need all these things. They give away. <coughs> there came a woman here from Boston to meditate. She meditated about three months. And <coughs> then she uh, returned. She found uh, her boyfriend had taken everything from my apartment and it was completely empty. There was nothing. 
<coughs> she said, she sat down and laughed for 15 minutes. <laughs> Why? When she left to come here, she had so many things to take care of. Flower pots and furniture and carpet and kitchen utensils and so forth. So many things. And she has to spend a lot of time cleaning. When she went there, house is completely empty. It was very easy for her to take care of the apartment. <laughs> she did not get angry at this man for cleaning up the apartment. She was very happy. <laughs> so, because she meditated for three months. During these three months, she did not utter one word. She just meditated to live a very simple, contented life. And that gave her, gave her great relief. I'm not asking you all to <laughs> give up everything that you have. But this is what the Buddha said. Make the life very simple and cultivate the mind. Of course, only with cultivating mind we cannot live. We have to have a certain amount of things for our living. We need. So, <clears throat> and this truth we experience come from our own experience. We realize when we have so much greed, we think, we think when we have a lot of things, we will be happy. We think, the Buddha said, your sukhang abhinandati, so dukhang abhinandati. One who think of having pleasure with all these things, that individual has pain. All these pleasures from various things we experience, we have pleasure. When you think of your huge bank account, you think, well, I'm okay. I can pay my insurance, my health insurance, my car payment, I can buy another house, another property and so forth. If you have a very secure job, earning a lot of money, <clears throat> so forth. A lot of things we accumulate thinking that we can become happy. Just imagine when we try to accumulate all these things, the amount of pain we have, those a lot of things don't come to us free because not how much we get, there's no end there. Our desire is so big and so it's insatiable. Desire is insatiable. By collecting, we cannot, accumulating, we cannot reduce desire. We increase desire. My another story is the Buddha's own uh, statement. He said, I tell you the story, little uh, sort of uh, anecdote just to illustrate this. Suppose you have a huge house. House is so big. Assuming that this whole meditation complex, from kitchen to here, your house is so big. One day, you wake up one morning, that night there was a rain. <clears throat> Somehow, the, this rain brought gold. 
and your entire house is filled with gold. There's a leak somehow on the roof, and the, the house was filled with gold. And this gold is so much like a mountain. You cannot use all of them because so much gold is there. Your, your brothers, sisters, husbands, wife, and children, and thousands of your relatives get together and try to use. Still, they cannot finish the gold in one life, or even ten lives, hundred lives. They cannot finish this gold. So much gold. Then, but you think, seeing all this gold, knowing that nobody can use all of them, so much. Very clear, twenty-four karat karat gold. But you think, when you see all this gold, you think, "Gee, how nice if I had a bigger house." <laughs> <laughs> you are not content with this amount of gold. This is the nature of desire. So Buddha said, "Na kaapanavasyan, even with gold rain that fill your house." You will not be satisfied. That is the nature of desire. So, <clears throat> the desire, in a way, is bringing certain degree of pleasure, <clears throat> and this pleasure, at the same time, brings great deal of pain, suffering. See, if what I want to be this all this more, it's such a headache, isn't it? Pain. So pleasure never comes without pain. <clears throat> that is why Buddha said, "Yosu kanga minandi, so do kanga minandi." My <clears throat> very uh, repeated uh, st- sentences, statement is, uh, <laughs> "You buy one, get one free." <laughs> right? <laughs> what do you never expect to get pain? You work very hard to only only to get pleasure, but pain naturally sneaks into your into your package. You have to buy the whole package. <laughs> so when you meditate, you realize enough is enough. I want to have time to clean the mind. And be satisfied with what I gain, and uh, spend time in enjoying my good mental state without uh, having having uh, breaking my nerves. I want to come there. So <coughs> when you come here. To meditate is very easy. When you go home, it is not that easy because so many things you have to do. At the same time, if you think while doing all this, I still must maintain my peace of mind. I must make a schedule. Don't spend every minute doing various uh, unnecessary things. We spend a lot of time doing a lot of unnecessary things. These days, time to to find time to meditate is very easy because everything is automated. You can 
take your clothes and put it in the machine, push the button, it works for you. You don't have to go to, you know, river and, you know, beat and all. It works at all. You plug the, you put the rice into the cooker, then plug it, it cooks by itself. You know, most of the things are very simple these days, so many machines to make life easy. And why we want to have these automatic machines to make life easy? To save time. And what I will do, going to do with the saved time. <laughs> then you find something else to keep yourself busy with the saved time. So, if we have a real, very serious intention to make the commitment to do some meditation, we can find this time. And moreover, these days many people work from home. Many people work from home. And uh, home education. So many things people can do from their homes. And then can make this a time. And therefore, we suggest uh, we try to make a schedule to meditate every day. The best time to meditate is early morning. Why? When we have a good sleep, when we wake up, our mind is still fresh, not bombarded with all kinds of sensory stimuli. With that fresh mind, we sit and meditate at least for half an hour. And then meditate one minute every hour during the day. How can you meditate one minute every hour? You work 59 minutes and stop whatever you are doing except driving <laughs> for one minute. <laughs> stop for one minute. Close your eyes, breathe, maybe 20 inhaling, 20 exhaling. When you finish this 20 inhaling, 20 exhaling, closing your eyes, focusing your mind on the breath, and open your eyes, you feel that the nervous tension that you build up during that 59-minute work is gone. Without our awareness, so long as we keep our senses exposed to the sensory stimuli, we build up tension. We don't want to build up tension, but it naturally happens. That is the nature of our nervous system. So we give a break to our brain, to our mind. Closing eyes, focusing mind on the brain. Don't think of the work we have been doing or what we are going to do afterward. If somebody sees you closed eyes, then you think he's always falling asleep. <laughs> It doesn't hurt you. They won't take your, you know, cut your pay. And next 59 minutes you can work. And do the same thing. Towards the evening, you would have had 10, 12, 15 minutes meditation easily. Because every hour, only hour, you had one minute meditation. So build up the momentum to meditate in the evening. After evening activities, I don't think many people these days like to watch TV <clears throat> because 
TV, radio, newspapers, what they do, you honestly look at them, listen to them, what you find them in them are the examples of greed, hatred and delusion. Just examples. If you want to find any example for greed, go to TV, read newspapers, listen to radio. Any examples for hatred, go to this mass media. Any example for delusion, they are they provide you ample examples. So why why want to bring more examples of for greed, hatred? <laughs> we have enough of them in us. <laughs> we have to unload them. So I I think it's better not to watch the TV in the evening, because when you watch them in the evening and go to bed, those are things that free play in your mind. That will not give you peace of sleep, I mean, the sound sleep, good sleep. And therefore, after evening activities, you know, eating, whatever, little bit, I think it is better not to eat too much in the evening. Although many people like to eat a big meal at night, it is better not to eat too much. If you want to eat, eat very, very little bit early in the evening and then after about an hour or so meditate for at least for half an hour before go to bed and lie in your bed on your back, focus your mind on the breath and sleep mindfully. When we say sleep mindfully, who can sleep mindfully because the very sleep itself is uh, the way of uh, uh, succumbing ourselves to uh, sleepiness and drowsiness. If there is no sleepiness and drowsiness, we cannot sleep. We have to have it. <clears throat> but when we say sleep with mindfulness, what we mean is go to bed with mindfulness. When you wake up next morning, you remember that you went to bed with mindfulness. And next morning it will remind you to be mindful. So you can see the way how we build up the momentum to keep the mindfulness practice from morning till evening and go to bed next morning we will remember to be mindful. Friends, this is not a joke, this is a very serious thing. Only thing is that not too many people can do it because they are habitually People like to be distracted. Habitually they get involved in various things. They even remember, don't remember this. That's the only problem. If you remember and if you do it, you will see how beneficial, how meaningful it is. How wonderful feeling you get being mindful all the time. And this is what the Buddha meant. Sitting, standing, walking, lying down and sleeping eating, drinking and so forth, in all these activities we at least try, at least think to be mindful. We may fail, but even our, even if we failed, if we keep uh, remembering, thinking about it, you see one day you will see this constant thinking is going to bear fruit. And Buddha said, whatever we think constantly, that becomes a habit. That becomes a habit. 
So meditation becomes a very good habit, and this habit becomes a, like an addiction. It's a very wholesome addiction, and eventually you may feel that you cannot live without it. That's how we build up our uh, practice. So, and this will never fail us. This will always keep our good mental quality. Whenever tension arises, we know how to get rid of it. Uh, whenever resentment, anger, jealousy arises, we know how to get rid of it and keep the mind in good shape, running conditions, so to say, oiling it all the time. So it's wonderful practice. And also Buddha said, this practice is immediately effective. In this very life, it produces its result as we practice. We don't have to wait. And this is what is called Sandhitika. In Pali, Sandhitika means to be seen here and now, in this very life. We don't have to wait. As we are doing it, we experience it precisely. So, uh, mindfulness practice is like this. So, with these few uh, closing words, I like to close this uh, short uh, advice, encouragement. And uh, before that, I also want to thank our coordinator. You know, she this is the first time she coordinated a retreat, at least here. But she did it so well, as if she was an experienced coordinator. Didn't you notice it? Yeah? So wonderful. Thank you, Aleta, for coordinating this retreat. And thank you all for cooperating with her. <laughs> if you did not cooperate with her, how can she do all this? How can she do all this by herself? And also, we must thank our kitchen manager. Kitchen manager is a very wonderful person. Uh, if not for him, even she cannot feed you. <laughs> right? And I thank uh, Charles for training her. <laughs> right? Charles spent two days with her, showing how to do the coordination, and she learned so quickly. And in one shot, did wonderful job. <laughs> Thank Vante Sriyananda, Vante Dhammaratana, and uh, where is uh, Alex? Uh, he's not here. We thank him too. We thank everybody for coming and participating and doing your wonderful work. And we wish you all success again and come back whenever you have time.